Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured a little preseason action against FC Barcelona. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm, I'm coming to you live from my palatial and spacious new digs. <laughs> nice, um, nice. Like last week, I'm still surrounded by boxes, but this time they're boxes I'm going to open and unpack, as opposed to before when they're... Um, I've, I've attempted some decorating on an empty bookshelf for now. It won't look like this in the future, but why not? Yeah. You know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if we start with some follow up from last week. So first of all, I, I had made a vague reference to a Tottenham appearance in Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I, I dug into it a little bit more and found confirmation and specific. So yeah, what I think tipped me off to it being Tottenham and it was only shown briefly on screen. What tipped me off was the AIA sponsor in red mm. on the front. I recognize that as the shirt sponsor. Yeah, that, <laughs> we talk that a lot about it. shirt sponsors and it, it does help for identification at longer distance. Yep, that would do it. <laughs> Um, so what's really funny though, is I'm sure if you had seen that same thing, you might've noticed it first from the massive text behind the Tottenham player that said, Son Young Min, mm. who is a well-known player from Tottenham, who I believe I had watched play in for the Korean national team, right? Well, and Tottenham, he played against. Right. But I mean, but like, I've, yes. I've only seen him like once or twice as, um, you know, a Tottenham player. I seen him at least as many times, if not more, and in quick succession when I was following Korea during the World Cup. So, right. And I do believe he stood out particularly because he had a, a mask for a. Right. Right. We talked about that. That's right. Yep. That too. Yep. Um, so what was funny, and there's a link in the show notes last week, and I'll have it in the show notes this time too, is apparently there's a deeper and more troubling Tottenham connection in the Spider-Verse more broadly, which it's, it's, it's making me pick, uh, between Spider-Man and Arsenal, unfortunately, but apparently Son Young Min has had other cameos because I guess Tom Holland, who's the British actor who plays Spider-Man in the most recent series of Spider-Man movies, he himself is a Tottenham fan, apparently. And so he has befriended Son Young Min. And so there, he, he was a voice actor. He played, he had some voice cameo in something else at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, this isn't his first time. Yeah, I mean, you know that it's that it happens. You know, it it's it's not uh, you know it's it's not in and of itself entirely a character flaw. I mean, you know, so they have they. I mean, there there is an entire Wikipedia page, by the way, for Arsenal FC supporters, including celebrity fans, and and I'll just I'll just throw out there uh, some of the names that popped out on the actors list: uh, Hugh Laurie hmm. was an Arsenal fan. Yeah, uh, Kevin Costner. Hmm. You know, we're doing okay there. Uh, <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen. So we're doing okay. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. they can have Spider-Man. We can have Gandalf. So, that- well, I, th- I mean, I think ultimately what we need to see is a showdown between Magneto and Spider-Man. I think that's clearly what this calls for. <laughs> we'll, have to flip th- we'll have to flip through. Do they have the other Magneto too? Uh, but anyway. It <laughs> um, <laughs> was a Fassbender, I think, is the young yeah, Magneto. That was it. Um, yeah. yeah. He's British. He might be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but but Idris Elba. I'm looking at the e, E's and F's. Idris Elba, so again, Arsenal. So I, I feel mean, like we're I feel like we're close to an Arsenal themed Hanukkah song, like uh, Adam Sandler about all all the people who yes. are Jewish. <laughs> 
this person's an Arsenal fan, and so is this other person. So, yeah, no, this, um, is a, this, by the way, is a massive Wikipedia page. So, okay. you know, I'll, 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 I will send you. I, I mean, again, it's a Wikipedia page, so most of the links. There's a few on here as well that I'm like, oh, I don't want to claim him necessarily. <laughs> hey, you take um, the good with the bad, <laughs> especially, especially under the uh, there's uh, politicians and a few others. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 just so we clear, we're not making political statements on here. Like th- some of those names on here, look and go, oh, oh no, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, but uh, that can be that can be a conversation. That can be there's there can be a, there's our there's our international break topic celebrating Arsenal fans. Oh, and which ones do we want? down? <laughs> and uh, 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 certainly there are a few that are well known as Arsenal fans, and there are a handful <laughs> of them that every most other Arsenal fans are like, no, we'd rather you weren't. Right. <laughs> but we funny. can yeah. Yeah, so um a little bit of follow up as as I was listening back to our last episode when we were talking about shirt sponsors in uh soccer and in major league baseball and I was just kind of reflecting on it a little bit more and I think I think probably the biggest thing that's different to me the, the biggest reason that it bothers me seeing it on the Yankees logo and not on an Arsenal jersey uh, on the Yankees jersey I mean not logo. Um The sponsorships are very much integrated into soccer jerseys. And now that we've seen some international teams recently playing Arsenal, um, like I watched uh, Barcelona this week and I saw Barcelona play Madrid. And then I saw a Mexican team playing the uh, NYCFC. Like I've seen more international teams recently and there, there's a variety. Like I actually noticed that I think in um, for Cruz Azul, I think they have sponsors on the back, but not on the front was mm. interesting if I'm remembering that right. Um but wherever they are, they are on pretty much every soccer team's jersey and they're integrated. They're, they're styled to fit in with the rest of a jersey. And even when they are the most dominant, uh, visual artifact, like they are on Arsenal's jersey, um, it still feels at home. Like the colors will match or whatever that, that shoulder patch for, for the Yankees, that sleeve patch, it just looks tacked on. It looks bolted on. It looks like something you would see in little league, not in professional sports i don't know yeah uh, and a lot yeah. of this we talked about those in, in baseball and american sports that sort of thing is very new mm-hmm. right? as opposed to you know european soccer teams and, and global soccer teams have been doing this for for decades um actually mexican teams and and you'll see this in some other i don't want to say smaller leagues you know league emekis is pretty it's actually a pretty big league but they, they actually have quite a few ads all over all over the kits they're kind of one of those that a lot of people look at and go oh we don't want that no mm-hmm. um you know, I, yeah, th- with baseball, it's very new. Um, and they are a little bit, they're a bit obtrusive in part because, again, we've just never really seen that sort of thing before. Um, so, I, which I think is, is part of that. Yeah, no, it could be. I think, though, like, if just looking, if you looked at the tweet that I posted in the show notes last week, I think if it weren't a patch, if it were printed in navy blue that matches the color of the pinstripes and the pinstripes just kind of, you know, come and go around it, where it looks like it was printed on the jersey, I think it wouldn't stand out as much. It would still be noticeable enough, just like Visit Rwanda on the sleeves of Arsenal players. But it just wouldn't look tacky. I think just it being a, a literal patch that's stitched on, yeah. that that I think is what makes it look tacky to me. Yeah, although you can, but you can also find complaints about some the way some sponsors fit onto even the kits, especially oh, sure. if you're, especially if a kit it's got like stripes or something. How the sponsor breaks it up, 
Yeah. Some of them, they, they change the color and it does, you know, the, it, again, it's, it's just one of those, it's weird because we've never seen it before and it's new and different and yeah, uh, it still true. feels, I mean, you know, it, it like, it, I barely, I barely notice it exists at this mm-hmm. point. Like I know it's there. I'm conscious that it's there, <laughs> but like, I don't think very much about it. So, well, someday when I own my football club, I will make sure that all sponsors look like they're part of the Jersey and that they integrate well thematically. I guess that's, <laughs> that's what good I'm l- saying. Hey, good, hey you know, good luck with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, one last uh, thread to tie up from last week is I mentioned um, during press demos of Apple Vision Pro that they I said that they had shown a soccer match as part of a demo. They did not. They actually showed baseball and basketball demos. They did not show soccer, which was noted by one or two reviewers who point out, hey, Apple has MLS rights. Why wouldn't they have done that? But, you know, they I. I no one would doubt that it's coming when the next season comes around Apple after Apple Vision Pro is out that those matches will certainly have that type of experience. Maybe mm-hmm. they charge more for it or something. Who knows? But um, that, that should be available. So I uh, included a link last time as well as this time to uh, Daring Fireball is an Apple centric blog that I've read for a long time. Uh, Apple and Yankee-centric. Uh, he is a lifetime, <laughs> lifelong Yankees fan living in Philadelphia. Um, so it's a, it's a great blog. And so his his review, if you're curious for all his thoughts on Apple Vision Pro, read the whole thing. But the uh, the part where he talks about how sports are covered, it's a couple paragraphs all the way toward the end because that was the last thing that they demoed, so it was the last thing they talked about. So if you're interested, there is another link again this week in the show notes. So um, the... The first thing that I wanted to talk about from this past week was I kind of had an interesting experience. It was a day or two after we recorded. Um, I got done watching whatever show or something I was watching with my wife and or son. And when I had some time to myself, I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, NYCFC had been playing earlier. Let me watch some of that match. It was against Toronto, I think. And <laughs> what, I, what I've started doing is when I'm watching... So at first, it said live, but then when I went to it, it, it had already ended. So it was technically mm-hmm. streaming, but all you get when it comes up is this broadcast has ended or whatever. Thanks for watching. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, and that'll stay on for who knows how long after it's over. (laughs) But so when I saw that, I decided to go back to the full replay. And what I've been doing when it's not an Arsenal game, and I'm going to watch a full replay is I'll go through and I I rewind it to somewhere around like the 60 minute mark or so, and just kind of watch the last like half hour or so of the match. And that's, that's been good. It's, it's generally the most, dramatic part of the match and it kind of gives you a sense of how how things ended and you get a sense from score at least of how how it kind of went into it so that's that's my compromise if i'm watching some of it i'll just watch like the last third or so of it so i did that with nycfc versus toronto um that was interesting and then when that was over and i went back to the tv app on the apple tv which kind of shows everything that you're into there they were pointing out that the um U.S. women's team's World Cup game against the Netherlands was going on at that time. And that actually was still going on because they're, you know, whatever, like 12 hours or something, 14 hours <laughs> ahead of us here or something. So it was a morning game for them that was happening at night for us. And I started watching it and then changed venue. I had, I was working on my computer for a bit. I had it on on my iPad, like just kind of paying attention a little bit, but, you know, mostly doing my work. And then when I hear cheering and it's like they're about to score or something, I'll kind of look down. I, I realize a lot of people do generally consume sports <laughs> this way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it's something I haven't really done much. I'm usually focused completely on on whatever I'm watching, but that's that's new to me. But yeah, they, they are they are very good as as background noise. Yeah. Um, espe- especially once you get to some of these summer tournaments, that's like I'm kind of curious what's going on, but I don't want to like right. have other things to do. So like, I really care how this game turns out. No, <laughs> now you're watching the U.S. Of course, well. Okay, I care, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, so that match was going on for a while, and then when that ended, and I went back to the TV app after to, to clean it up, get it off my list. I saw, oh, Arsenal live. Oh, that's going on now. And so they're friendly against Barcelona, which was in LA Galaxy's stadium in Los Angeles, in California, in the U.S. Um, that was apparently a night game starting at like eight o'clock or so local time on the West coast, which mm-hmm. for me was around 11 o'clock. And I just said, screw it. I'm watching this whole game. And I did. And it was like the only time I've been the only person awake in the house watching a live Arsenal match. And that may never <laughs> happen again. It was, or at least not for a while. So that was, yeah. that was kind of fun. But, um, um so before we talk about the Arsenal match, I want to backtrack for a minute to the women's match. Have, have you watched much women's soccer? Um, in the past, I have. It's funny you mentioned you rattled off those games. Now we didn't coordinate this, but I I also watched two of those games. I that was <laughs> it was the last night I had in my, in my old place before I started moving. So, um, I, I watched the New York City game, uh, which was delightful. It's the first time they've looked good in a while. Helps that yeah. Toronto stinks. Um, I did not watch the women's uh, game, but I did. I, I at that point I was up. And I said, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's watch the Arsenal game. So I watched the Arsenal Barcelona game, which was which was fun, uh, and as we'll talk about. Um, I've watched the, the women in the past. The the fact that it's in Australia, New Zealand, and the timing on it's been weird. And you know, I haven't actually seen anything. I'm keeping an eye on it. Um, we should also add. Actually, I, I kind of looked this up. There are actually 14 Arsenal women uh, scattered throughout various teams hmm. in the tournament. Oh, cool. Um, so there are. Including, uh, I, I want to say there's one or two on the Dutch uh, team, which hmm. is the, the game you watched. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I have not actually watched any of the World Cup. Um, I know their next game is, is it 3 a.m. My time? You were on East oh, Coast okay. or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, I guess yeah. they play in a couple hours from now and that okay. one, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But yeah. good luck to them. And I, you know, if there's a, <laughs> There's a knockout stage game that's at a good time. Yeah, maybe I'll check yeah. it out. Um, well, so I, I was asking, have you watched much women's soccer in general? Like, not even this World Cup or World Cups in general. Like, have you watched the Arsenal women? Have you watched much women's soccer or really, like, men-focused, male-focused? I'm mostly male-focused, and that's not necessarily even a comment about women's soccer. I've, I've watched mostly World Cups uh, with the U.S. national team and the, and the Olympics, too, because for, for the men, the Olympics is, a, is kind of a youth tournament. It's not really a big deal. For the women, it's it's almost on par for I think previously at some point mm. was actually more more prestigious in some ways than than the World Cup. I think that's swift shifted. I think the World Cup is still is definitely I think a bigger deal now. But the, but the Olympics are still pretty important for women's right. soccer. Um, but I, I you know I have not actually tracked the Arsenal women. I, so I, I subscribe to the the Arscast. Um, their their podcast series and they do every couple of every about every two weeks about twice a month they have one of their writers uh does a podcast about the women's team so i have an idea of how like i have an idea mm-hmm. how they're doing and mm-hmm. i hear the names popping up i know they i think the games are available through the arsenal website you can watch some of them or they're, they're hmm. 
either them or maybe through the uh, their league. It's not the Premier League. There's a separate league that the women have, a separate like business entity that does hmm. that. Interesting. Um, well, which I don't remember what it is exactly, but anyway, yeah, yeah, there are there are ways to watch it. Um, but again, they're good. Arsenal women are good, and sure. the US women are good, and so yeah. Um, well, the the reason I ask is because so for the part of this game that I did watch, which mm-hmm. even though it was live, also turned out to be like the last third or so, which was kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. I, I witnessed something that. I don't know how common it is in women's soccer. I can say in all the men's soccer that I've watched over the last year, I've never, nor would I ever see this in a men's match. But I, <laughs> so what, what happened was, uh, one of the, one of the good players from, I mean, they're, they're, they're all good players, but one of the <laughs> better well known players who's been in, this is her second world cup with the U.S., Lindsay Horan. Um, she was moving the ball down the left side of the field. And one of her club teammates, Danielle Vandedonk is, is her name. Um, so one of her club teammates who's playing for the Netherlands makes a challenge and hip checks her pretty, pretty hard and like knocks her down. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lindsay Horan is pretty upset by this to the point where like after the initial challenge is issued and the free kick taken, um, play continues and Lindsay is still giving this other player grief and they're like still going at it even after the initial aftermath has settled. The referee who, who was also a woman and that, that is one interesting thing. Like, do you know in general, are the officials also women for women's games or is it a mix of both? Do you know? Um, they're, they're know getting, there, there are a lot of them are men. There, there's an effort to get more, I think, uh, more of them in general. Although you're starting to see the last couple of years, I've seen women as linesmen, uh, for both. Uh, oh, okay. I've seen them in the premier, there's one or two in the premier league. MLS has a couple. So they were, they were around. I think one yeah. or two of them were in the world cup, okay. uh, the last men's world cup, but uh, uh, there are plenty of male referees, but I think there are also a lot of women too, more so women. Right. Um, and, and managers, I think are kind of a, a mix as well, men and women. Right. Team. Well, so and and let before before I get to the main thrust of what I'm talking about, let me also point out that as as mentioned before on the show, I don't have a TV subscription. So when I'm watching sports, well, actually, I do kind of have a shared TV subscription now. I need to keep that in mind more. But I wasn't using it when I was watching this match. I was watching it on Peacock, which mm-hmm. is an Espanol. <laughs> they have the oh. Spanish language streaming rights for a lot of. Get a lot of leagues, including right, yeah. the World U- Cup. Uni- Univision. Yeah. So through through whatever agreement, like they're able to show up, but only in Spanish. So I didn't have the benefit of understanding, you know, 90 plus percent of what the commentators were saying. So when I describe what I saw, <laughs> it, it is basically me interpreting based on body language on the field and not any informed commentary, except for what I've read after the fact that didn't seem to contradict. I didn't find anything contradictory to what I saw, but basically the referee pulled the two women aside after the tussle had prolonged. Like they were going into a corner kick after the initial free kick, like play had had continued. She kind of pulls them off to a side and I'm imagining she's saying something like, okay, girls, what's going on? I'm sensing some hostility. Can you guys talk Mm. this out and kind of move past it? Like I expected them to hug afterwards or something like it was Mm. just, it was just something I couldn't imagine at all like that happening during a men's match. It just seems like it wouldn't, (laughs) 
<laughs> go down that way. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, usually what you see in the men's game when, when guys get up and there's a hard tackle and they get up. We've seen that. We've seen in Arsenal games. They, there's some shoving. There's some shouting. Mm-hmm. Usually, you see the referee sort of step between them or pull them over. And I mean, because there's some referees are very demonstrative with their hands. You see them pointing, going, "No more, right? No more." Right. Point saying, you know, no more next yeah. time, next time, you know, one more next time. And it's very demonstrative, very clear. Um, I don't know. I'd be kind of, it, you know, it could have, it could have been, I mean, who knows what they are even saying, at, you know, as you said, they're club teammates, although we should say, uh, Daniel Vandedonk is a former Arsenal player since. We, ah, okay. Uh, you might recognize that name when you, when you put it in, it's like, I know her. <laughs> um, Lindsay Horan is not a former Arsenal player, but that's okay. Right. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it could, it could be, who knows? Maybe at some point they've already, the conversation, by the time the referee gets over there, the conversation has already shifted and there are, he, in the referee doesn't have to say, you know, a, a good referee, as we sort of talked about this, kind of reads the situation and is able to, do, does what they can to help diffuse tensions or calm things down or help manage the game. Uh, so perhaps she saw some of what was going on and said, okay, I don't need to make a big statement here, but let's just be clear. I'm going to tell you what's going on, but let's be clear. This doesn't need to be a big, everybody's in trouble. Everybody's getting cards. Yeah. You know, it could be, it could, I, I'm talking this little blind. I didn't actually see the oh, incident, sure, but, sure. Um, but well, it, could, it could be that. Yeah. I'm, I'm including, so <laughs> again, like this is something that I don't see happening much with men, but there is actually an E like, you know, entertainment magazine um, article online talking about the scuffle <laughs> between the two of them. I don't see that probably happening when two male players <laughs> have a fight on the field. I don't know. I don't know how much E actually covers sports. I don't remember ever s- s- finding them as being like the best hit for finding out what happened with something sports related. Yeah. There's but. a, there's a handful of players I could see making their way onto to E. I think I, the, the women occupy, and, and, and there's a serious point to this. The women sort of occupy a different place. Certainly the American women do in sort of the way we talk about sports, you know, some of this is, is gendered, right? We treat the, we treat women in certainly different ways than we do men sometimes, but also I think it's just there, there were, I don't want to say more celebrities than athletes, but they're more celebrities than say the U S than the men's national team, which, which mm-hmm. exists very much. I mean, y- you won't hear people talking about the men's national team much outside of, outside of like ESPN or a, so- or a sports network. Right. Whereas the women's national team is much more well-known it, it almost more like, um, you know, their stature is very similar in that to probably some of the big, a big name athlete from say, you know, the NBA, right. um, or, or, or really baseball, you know, a well-known figure that even someone who doesn't watch sports go, Oh, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. Sure. I imagine part of that notoriety probably just comes from as far as the women's game goes. I think the world cup is really most people's exposure to women's soccer. Whereas with men, I think in the U S the world mm-hmm. cup is certainly a lot bigger for a lot of people than MLS is probably, but I don't know. I feel like, the women, because they, I mean, they've also, our, our women have won so much. Yeah. yeah. Let's extraordinarily no, no. good. Team. You're, you're, you're overthinking this. They're really good. <laughs> That's why we know them. They, they, that, I mean, they keep, yeah. they, they, they win constantly. They've won four World Cups and including the last two. Right. Um, and they nearly won the one previous one before that. I mean, that's, that's really what this is, is that oh, sure. they're, they're good. And so it elevates them. I mean, if, if, if the, the U.S. men's team was, They'll never be that good. But if they were even approaching that, if they were in the kind of team that could get to that conversation of maybe winning the World Cup, we would treat them very differently. We think about them. We talk about them very differently. Yeah. Um, and part of it's just like, you know, for other sports, the international side doesn't matter as much. I mean, think about probably the, I mean, 
gosh, I'm trying to think what the comparison would be. I mean, you know, the rest of the world doesn't play American football. There's only kind of sort of uh, international baseball real competition. Um, I mean, the closest, the big thing you can think of maybe is, you know, men's basketball in the Olympics. But the whole point is that, you know, the, the, the mark for so many Americans is the dream team, the part where the well, Americans right. show up, win every game by 40. Um, right. That doesn't happen anymore. And it's a crisis, right? Oh, my God. We lost a game in the what? Yeah. fire everybody. <laughs> and, and, of course, the game has changed and all of that. And it's much more competitive now, which is always, which is, you know, it's good for competition, but I still want to win everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, their celebrity derives in large part because they're good and they win. And, that, and Americans love winners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I mean, everybody does, but <laughs> we really like winners. So um, you had shared a link to an article talking about a uh, an acquisition, a transfer that uh, Arsenal was considering. Uh, you want to tell me about that? Yeah, this one popped up this morning. Um, it's kind of an odd one. I mean, th- th- we're still in that season of transfers. We're still there are rumors being floated about about players that might come in. This was an interesting one that came up this morning. Uh, the Arsenal uh, is looking for a move for uh, David Raya, excuse me, David Raya, uh, mm-hmm. who is a, a go- the keeper at Brentford. Um, we've been connected to him before. I want to say it was a couple years ago. Our our, for- our goaltending coach, Inaki uh, Kanya, used to be Brentford's goalkeeping coach and is a big fan of Raya. Raya is a very good keeper. I, re- uh, I remember Brentford. him when we played Brentford. Yeah. yeah, he's a very good he's a very good one for Brentford. And so there's there yeah, the fact that Arsenal was inquiring about him, potentially bringing him in. The number there was thrown out there is Brentford wants forty million pounds, which you know may, I, I I'm it's hard for me to say. It's it's interesting though because I mean Arsenal has at this point a clear number one, Aaron Ramsdale, and he and he occupies a very important role in the club in a lot of ways. Raya, Raya might be better than him. And yeah. so, and, and unlike say, and we sort of talked about this last week, like you bring in, um, you bring in Declan Rice, defensive midfielder. You see a replacement for Thomas Party. You can play both of them on the field at the same time, right. or you can, you can rotate them very easily. That's much harder to do with a keeper. You know, there's only one of them can play at any one time. And so, you know, you bring in a keeper like Raya. I mean, some way it's about, is it about putting pressure on Ramsdale? I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit. Ramsdale was really good in his first season. He had a really strong start to the season. And then there were points in the second half of last season where, like a lot of other players on the team, he looked a little sketchy. He looked a little little iffy. There, Some people have pointed out there's a few moments on the preseason tour where he's... He's, I mean, he's looked a little shaky. Um, mm. You know, the first goal against United doesn't look very good. He has a couple of times his his clearance kicks have it just sailed straight out of bounds. And, mm. you know, uh, Arsenal isn't looking at Raya because, you know, Ramsdale gave up a bad preseason goal. They've been, they've, clearly this is a guy they've been interested in for a long time. But it's a curious decision. Um, it's accompanied by rumor that uh, Matt Turner was, uh, there's some interest from Nottingham Forest. Uh, which I think would be largely good for Turner. Um, right. As much as I love that he's on Arsenal, he's also clearly Arsenal's backup. And with Champions League instead of Europa League, he's just not going to play very much. And as as the U.S. keeper, I would like to see him play regularly, which 
he probably will do or is more likely to do at Forest than he is at Arsenal. So, Well, so um, you mentioned the Champions League. Could that mm-hmm. be part of the motivation with Raya? Could we want two world-class keepers and have them both play like so that they aren't either – so either of them isn't exhausted from playing two matches a week? Uh, yeah, but the keepers are different because they don't yeah. run as much. Right. So the, the exhaustion is the same. And they'll talk about this as well. Keepers – can mature later in life and they can play much later in life. Like we, t- you know, we talk about Thomas Party's 30. Oh my gosh, he's 30. Like his career is <laughs> almost over. Hey, keepers can play well into their late thirties, you know, because yeah. they're not, they're not running. Their game is based on different kinds of things. And as long as they maintain that agility, that intelligence, um, they can, they can play much longer. So, you know, in that sense, like you, you don't, I mean, yeah, there are points where maybe Ramsdale got a little tired at some points in the season, but honestly, that's that's not the kind of thing you have with a keeper. Yeah. Um, you know, if anything, that the having the backup for those cup games, like this, you know, especially the League Cup, but also even the FA Cup, you know, in a sense, you get to fix your congestion. You just want to rotate and change something. I mean, for the keeper, it's more about mental concentration than it is the physical activity. But even then, I mean, especially as you get later in the season as all the games become more intense, you know, the later you, you know, if you're playing Champions League or or Cup games in February, March, April, those are big games. And so it's easier to stay mentally focused as opposed to like, "Eh, it's our next to last group game. I mean, it's okay. Yeah, I want to win, but, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, um, it's, it's just it's just an interesting one. Kind of curious what it might say about. Ramsdale's place. I don't know. Uh, we could be, I mean, you know, Arteta likes competition in as many positions as possible. This will certainly push Ramsdale. Um, I mean, but, you know, that's, it's an interesting one. It kind of popped up and this sort of right. is the, the topic du jour for, for a lot of the Arsenal universe. So, yeah. Well, and I guess if you're paying a lot of money to bring someone in, it wouldn't just be like just in case Ramsdale gets hurt or something like that. It wouldn't be a contingency when you're talking about a top tier player like that. Yeah, forty million is a lot for a yeah. for a backup keeper, right? Uh, so, exactly, I, yeah. and and you know, and we still have some players we need to we need to sell. Arteta's made the comment, the and Adu's commented, the squad's a little big. It, you know, we we said we have thirty players on the roster, and you know, you know, thirty guys don't play in a season. Sure. So, um, yeah. Once you turn it you turn into Chelsea, uh, <laughs> let's let's not hope for that. So, uh, so, uh, something else that, that happened this week is as I've been talking to, uh, other people at my job, I've found at least two other Arsenal fans. Um, and one of them decided it would be fun for our company to participate in the EPL, uh, your uh, English Premier League fantasy league. So this is zero cost to join. And as far as I can tell, nothing is at stake other than bragging rights. Um, <laughs> So it was, it was fun. They give you a budget of like a hundred million pounds or something. I forget. Maybe, maybe it's more than that. I don't mm-hmm. remember, but, um, they give you a budget and the full roster of all the teams that are in the Premier League and how much each of them would cost you. And then, you know, just some basic overall stats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I completed my first pass at a roster I had of my 11 play. Well, I think it might actually be more than 11 players because you have some, some substitutes, but um, whatever, like 13, 14 players. Um, I think maybe seven or eight of them were Arsenal players. Naturally, those are the players who I'm going to pick first. And I had to keep on getting rid of them one by one (laughs) until I satisfied it 
enough that it didn't tell me that I had too many Arsenal players on on the squad. So mm-hmm. apparently, it looks like there's a limit of like three from any one team is, mm-hmm. is the limit. Um, so, <laughs> so do you want to go through? I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on who I pick to fill out my roster. If that's something you think might be <laughs> fun to go through, I mean, I mean, I'll say this: I, I, I don't do a lot of fantasy sports, and I've never quite played any of the the like the EPL fantasy league. So I'm not really sure quite how they do it. Yeah, like, I mean, I've played, I yeah. played like baseball and, you know, I'm baseball is a very statistics heavy sport. Sure. Every, every discrete action in the game is a statistic. <laughs> um, so, you know, in that sense, that one's kind of easy. Like I played fantasy football before. And again, there's a lot of statistics. I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of curious. My question for you is like, do they talk about, like how, what are they tracking? Like what is your what is your what is what are they what are the stats they're gathering for your for your game? Well, so it will start along with game week one beginning on August eleventh. Um as far as like any given player, like if I just pull up so one of the um Arsenal players on my team would is naturally Martinelli. Mm-hmm. Um if you look at the stats that they show for him, so there's form which is zero right now, which it's zero mm-hmm. for everybody because the season hasn't started yet. So the form it explains is a player's average score per match calculated from all matches played by his club in the last 30 days. Okay. So I guess they're just going by the goal average. I, uh, well, it, I, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess there's a score that gets, um, because there are like, I'm, I'm guessing that there there are like player ratings, yeah, that go along with games. So basically, they'll judge how well a player did. Usually, it's on a scale of one to ten, and I wonder if that's like the scale they're talking about in terms of judging a player's abilities. I mean, I, the, the term you see is form, and we may have touched on this a little bit. Form generally refers to how well someone's playing, right. so they're in good form, and so it's a way I think probably using their game rating scores to sort of judge how well they it is as an average of the last few games. So judging how well they've done for the last few, or I guess the last month, I think you said was the 30 days of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at this a little bit more and I mean, so I'll, I'll, I'll update, I'll update you maybe every so often as we see how my team does, but basically it looks like they distill everything down to a number of points. Right. And that comes like, so goals scored, factors heavily in there. And I'm seeing for Martinelli last season, he had 15 goals scored and nine assists. Um, so they show a whole bunch of other stats. I don't know how many of them directly contribute, but they also give him a score. He has an ICT index, which is influence, creativity, and threat. Hmm. <laughs> Those are three things that are really interesting being grouped together like that. But, um, but yeah, so he's like number five out of the 259 players in his cohort, hmm. which I guess is the whole league or maybe all the strikers in the league yeah 200 250 sounds like sounds like the, the, the league or maybe yeah, all the so. players that yeah i mean because you think about they have well, i guess it's 250 right by 10 is 25 20 teams yeah that sounds about that sounds like about i mean because because what you're going to have is they're they're not going to make accessible every player because the bottom of these rosters is a bunch of guys who will never play or kind of rotate in and out of the the bench based on the, the game week and who's hurt and whatnot, but you're drawing from the play, you know, the guys who play regularly, I guess what was curious to me about that. And it, it make looking at your roster. This is what I thought, but it also makes sense to me when you describe it that way is the idea of the budget. 
And so uh, my guess is that some of your coworkers can have rosters that can have some of these same players on their rosters. That Yes. Yeah. So there are apparently two modes. There's fantasy and fantasy draft. Mm-hmm. So the person who set this up at my job set up a fantasy mm-hmm. league, not a fantasy draft league. So yeah. we can all have Erling Holland if we want to. Yeah. I, gosh, he's probably <laughs> worth a lot of points. Um, yes. A lot of money he's too. also by far the most expensive player. And I did not choose him because if I can only win because of him, I don't want to win. Um, fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> no, but it's because it, it's interesting because the one game that when I've played fantasy, it's usually what they're calling the draft, which is that right. obviously you, everyone, once someone picks a player, nobody else can have him because you're building your roster based on that. And so, but I mean, I was looking at your roster. You, you, you have the picture here of it. I'm looking at it going, yeah, that's you. How did you get all those guys? Are there what three people in your league? Uh, <laughs> I'm not, yes. I mean, I did have that. I played in a fantasy well, league, a baseball all, league. In yes, the, there are three yeah. other people. Oh, okay. <laughs> it okay. turns out well, <laughs> that I mean, is I, not the I, reason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I played a, when I was in high school. I did a fantasy baseball league with. with there were four of us, yeah. so our rosters were stacked. <laughs> um, but you know, because because of course you have you know four of you picking anyone you want for major league baseball. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, interesting. The the budget makes sense. Um, that yeah, I guess I could see that as another way to make that. Yeah, so so just going through it real quickly for for the listeners. So um, the Arsenal players who I employed are Ramsdale and Keeper, um, Jesus and Martinelli. And it, it's also kind of funny seeing all these players that I definitely think of as forwards that I think of as strikers being listed as midfielders, and Martinelli yeah. is among them. <laughs> um, which also led to some of my choices too, which is kind of interesting because you need like you need two forwards four midfielders, four defenders, and then your keeper. And then you have like one backup, one substitute for each of those positions. Four, four, um, two, baby. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Ramsdale, Martinelli and Jesus are my Arsenal players. And then I was just kind of scrolling through sorted by how good they were in descending order. So the best players at the top of the list and it's kind of picking. Okay. So who of these players do I remember? Have I heard of? And I remember their names and remember them being good and didn't bother me in some fundamental way. <laughs> like some of my, Oh yeah. Did. Oh yeah. <laughs> my options, I should say. So, <laughs> so it was Harry stones, I think is his first. Uh, it's name, John right? stone, John, John stones. stones. Okay. Yep. I, I'll probably stop guessing for the ones that I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. So John stones, um, I think he is one of three city players that I have. Yeah, I see, uh, see, I see three city players. Yeah. yeah, so Stones, De Bruyne, and Julian Alvarez. That was that was a clear choice because I remember him from the World Cup as well as from Manchester yeah. City. So, of course, um, he's a backup at City because he plays with yeah. Erling Holland. Right. <laughs> yeah. So was Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, Jesus was a forward, but he was a lot more of a wide player. But he 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 left, and Holland came in. So oh, okay. Um, I didn't know, but they didn't overlap. I didn't know no, that Holland yeah. was that recent of a uh, player. Yeah, it was only his first year at, oh, in Manchester. Wow. So. Yeah, we're all, even yeah. Crazier. Now he has a full year under his belt. We're all screwed. Oh, uh, we're all oh, screwed, God. man. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, we just uh, watched Die Hard Two this weekend. So, <laughs> maybe, so I, I read the storybook I have of Die Hard One, and that reminds me of Erling Holland every time I see those blonde robbers from Die Hard. But anyways, so <laughs> so then the other players in no particular order that I picked. I guess there's. Um, 
is it Trent Alexander Arnold? I feel like mm-hmm. that's the first name I remembered right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Shaw, I'm not going to guess from uh, Wolves. And Dunk, I remembered that name from yeah. uh, Brighton. Yeah. Dunk from Brighton. Um, Marcus Rashford, I, I do like him. That was one that I was like, yeah, I, I want Rashford on my team. Like, if I can't populate myself with like all Arsenal players, like Rashford is the one United player I think who I have on here. Uh, He's a goal scorer and a fairly likable guy, all things yeah. considered. Yeah. So, and then I really was at a loss to try and pick my last starter. <laughs> and I'm looking through the list. <laughs> And I see a player who I absolutely did not remember from when we played Everton. For all I know, he was not on their team at that point in time. But his last name is my son's first name, uh, Reed. It's like, okay, sure. I'll put Reed on my team. Okay. (laughs) And then for backups, I have Cody Gakpo, um, Caicedo, Robertson, Andrew Robertson. I, 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 I don't honestly know that I remember him. And he's a, I mean, he's a defender, so he's generally a little more anonymous. Actually, he and he and Tierney, Kieran Tierney, are both Scottish internationals. So they, oh, okay. they're, they're, they're Scotland is Robertson, Tierney, and then like the rest of their roster. Yeah. There. <laughs> and then my backup keeper was another one where like, okay, no, I, I know I want Martinez. Like he, he's a good keeper. <laughs> I like him. I've seen him play. I remember him. And I think so he, he played for Argentina also, right? Yes. He was, he was Argentina's keeper, yeah. uh, former, the former, Arsenal man right. also gifted us a goal off the back of his head. Thank yes. you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was all, uh, uh, that, that's it. So we'll, we'll see how they do. Um, so I named my team Q branch and, um, you know, the, the James Bond connection mm-hmm. and I'm the IT guy in this fantasy league within my company. So I figured Q branch would be uh, thematically appropriate on multiple levels. Um, go. I got to design our kit. You just kind of pick like the colors of the shirt fronts and shirt sleeves and mm-hmm. whether or not you have stripes or hoops or whatever on the jerseys yep. and the socks. Um, so I just kind of went with it kind of looking like a James Bond tuxedo, like a white shirt front, black sleeves, black shorts and black socks. <laughs> There we go. So, yeah. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, this will be interesting. This is going to be my first time doing any fantasy sports at all or anything even resembling it. So, yeah. <laughs> so in just a minute, we have a sponsorship that is coming up. However, I want to let you know if you find yourself not appreciating hearing our sponsorships as we go on, uh, I will remind you that we have our Gunaryu Superfan membership. You can join. There's a link in the show notes of every episode. If you do become a superfan uh, starting this season, starting with the last episode, I am putting up ad-free versions of each episode. So you won't even need to try skipping the ads. They will just magically disappear. So if that's something that sounds interesting, it's only a dollar a month. I'll remind you at the end of the episode. Uh, we do really appreciate it because that'll help uh, keep us going. help make sure that we uh, keep the lights on and are able to keep Gunaryu open for new enrollees. So uh, with that in mind, I would love to tell you about our friends at Zencaster. So Zencaster is the platform that we are using as we speak for recording this show. Uh, it is one that we've used from, I, I believe, the beginning of the show that we had a brief period where we switched away to something else for a little bit, but quickly went back because overall it's a better product and we like it more. Um Zencaster is podcasting made easy. Um, it has a lot of great things about it. One thing that I forgot to highlight last time is how easy it makes it to connect multiple people together, especially let's say you want to start a show where you have guests and you have a 
rotating lineup of guests. Let's say you want to do uh, an interview show or something, you have different people joining all the time, just give them a link. I mean, this is how Keith joins every week. It He just opens up a link and he's in and that's it. Um, you know, aside from any hardware concerns, which, you know, for, for a lot of shows that people may not, may not care as much as I'm burdened with caring. Um, but uh, it takes care of all the software for you. Someone just needs to click the link, come in and the host takes care of everything else and gets high quality recordings that are recorded locally and then uploaded after the fact. So you get full quality video and audio for all participants. And it has a full suite of editing tools that will put a nicely polished post-production together for you after the fact too. So it's a really great tool. We really enjoy using it. Um, you should go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code Gooner, G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no U in Gooner. And you'll get 30% off your first month of any paid Zencaster plan. Uh, I want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting needs. So it's time to share your story. Again, that is Zencaster.com slash pricing and use code Gooner and that will get you 30% off. You can also follow the link in our show notes or description on YouTube. And that will also apply that code automatically for you. So thanks again to Zencaster. Uh, we talked a little bit before the beginning of the episode, before we started recording, about what we we're going to talk about this week in the absence of any material matches. Um, I do want to briefly touch on Barcelona, but um, I think other than that, we'll maybe start getting to some of the questions that are kind of back burner questions, not super important to understanding the key events of any given match, but I've kind of accumulated a bunch of those over the last several games, probably even more than that. And uh, maybe we can clear the decks a little bit. So, um, so first with Barcelona, um, did you watch the entire match? What, what, what did you watch with that? Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I had it on. Um, I mean, at a certain point, it is you know it, it was sort of like you did. I had some other things to do, so there was a lot of the game acts as background noise. But um, yeah, yeah, but yes, I, I stayed up for the the whole thing, which was something of a mistake because I actually needed to get some sleep. But you know what? <laughs> we beat Barcelona, which was is which was nice. Oh yeah, so you know it. It was good seeing. I'm I'm guessing we're going to be playing against them in the Champions League, right? Uh, possibly. We'll, we'll wait and see. At some the, point, the, maybe. the draw. Well, I mean, historically, yes, we're almost certainly going to play them or Bayern Munich because we always play them or Bayern Munich. <laughs> um, but yeah, at some point, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna stall a little bit while I look this up. At some point, we we'll get the draw for the group, which I imagine yeah. will be in. Probably late August. Uh, yes, the draw is August 31st, so a month okay. from now. They're doing yeah. qualifying rounds now. Um, in fact, the, uh, let's see. Oh, yes, the, uh, the second leg of the second qualifying round will be starting tomorrow, hmm. Tuesday, August 1st. Uh, there's still a third qualifying round and then a playoff round. And then the group stage will draw on the mm-hmm. 31st and will start in mid to late, the 19th and 20th of September. Okay. Um, the short version is, we'll talk about the draw closer. Yes, being drawn with Barcelona is a possibility. Sure. Um, it's a basically a, we basically have a one in seven chance of that happening. Okay. Well, so in a larger sense, though, we are competing in the same league as them in mm-hmm. the Champions League. And, you know, this is my first time now following Champions League level competition as part of, you know, part of my duties on, on this show, part of the, the <laughs> great burden of following soccer as closely as I have been, even when we're not doing our show. It's, it's crazy to me. If you told me a year ago that when I have free time, I just like turn on a soccer match for a team I've never heard of before, never watched before, which I've been doing lately, I would have thought you were crazy 
straight into your veins. Just so, so, so anyways, um, what was really encouraging so I'd watched this match. I saw us kick their butts and it was really fun to watch. We did a great job. It was a great performance. Then this weekend, um, Real Madrid had a friendly against Barcelona. This was in AT&T Stadium, which I've seen in the distance. Every time I visit my parents, you can like see it from the road that leads to their house. Um, so yeah, I, no I was moon. kind of interested just from that reason. Like, okay, well, this is a match that's going on, like where they live. And these are two teams that are world-class teams that I'm interested in. And, yeah. And so, like I was saying, I've done before, I watched the last third or so of the match. And um, I, I it was actually funny. We were eating out, and I think the match was going on live. This was not Buffalo Wild Wings. I didn't have, like, a mm-hmm. clear view to watch the entire match or anything. But as I was going to the bathroom, walking past the bar, they had it on. They always have sports and largely soccer because it's a Mexican place. Um, they, <laughs> so there's always soccer on whenever there is soccer on. Um, so I saw a little bit of it there that reminded me that it was going on. And then later on I I watched it and, um, I was really pleased to see that they beat Real Madrid and we beat them. Therefore we have a shot at potentially maybe actually being better than two champions league teams in the preseason (laughs) for whatever that's worth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there, there's two caveats that one, of course, as we've talked about, it's preseason and you know, it's hard. I mean, you know, so yes, it was a lot of fun to beat up Barcelona. And there was a part of me that was excited to see how well we played because Barcelona, I mean, like we played Manchester United, I know we can play well against Manchester. I saw it. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about we played well at Old Trafford, kind of feel a little hard done by in the loss, and then we played really well and beat them in in the in the game with the Emirates. So I'm not worried about how we look against United. Um, I don't. You know, who cares how we look against the MLS All Stars? Because it's not a <laughs> it's not really a measuring stick of any. There's no way you can use that as a measuring stick. But sure, but Barcelona is a little different, right? Because of their talent. Now the the caveat, of course, being preseason, it was their first preseason game. Oh, so they're okay. definitely a little bit behind where we were in terms of development and ramping up. Uh, the other one to watch out for is um, it's especially prominent in the U.S. with college football, but also generally works in any sports, the transitive property. Team X, <laughs> team X beat Team Y, and we beat Team X. Therefore, we would beat Team Y. No, that is not right. how that works. That never works that way. Um you know, and again, who knows where Real Madrid is as far as their preparation and, and uh-huh. Barcelona as well. I, you know, but I have to say again, I, I'm. I, it was good, and looking in Barcelona rolled out rolled out some players who are going to play. You know, starters like we did. You know, people, guys who are going to play in those kind of matchups, and you know, the, at least their their first two goals, and to some extent, their last one came against the run of play. So it, you know, it's. We played. We didn't just score a bunch of goals. We played very well, which was mm-hmm. nice to see for a squad of that caliber. Um, how does that look when the games are for real? We're gonna find out. Uh, right. But but yeah, it'll be. It, but it was. It, it's one of those. I felt better. I, I felt better after this one and the way it played out than I did. Obviously, it didn't feel good to lose to United, but eh, who cares? You know, I feel better about this one than I sort of did about some previous performances in the preseason. Um, which is good because that means we're really we're ramping up. We're getting ready to get to the the you know the, the games that count, and that's mm-hmm. that's ultimately the goal is that we're ready to go. Sure, uh, when it when it matters. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to tell you something funny too, that talking about that time in the Mexican restaurant, when we saw the, the, those two teams playing briefly, remind me of another conversation. So I, I had told my son, cause his Jersey doesn't have anyone's name on it. And mm-hmm. I, I forget if we talked about it on the show. I know you and I talked about it either on the air or off the air, but, um, I didn't, first of all, I couldn't find a place that would, cause I was getting it late in the season. I couldn't find a place that would actually put a player name and have his size like for a kid's jersey all, all at the same time. Um, but regardless, I didn't even really feel bad about it because he doesn't have a favorite player yet. I, yeah. He would have wanted the player that was on mine, which isn't really his favorite player. And so yeah. what, what I told him at the time is if he watches Arsenal play with me, when we do get him a new jersey, when he wants one for this season or next season, whenever it works out to be, that he can pick which player he wants on the back if he actually has his own favorite player. So we were talking this, uh, at, at this meal and I, I asked him, so, you know, do, are you looking forward to watching these matches with me so you can pick out your favorite player? And he told me he already has a favorite player. I said, Oh, really? And I'm thinking he's going to say like Saka because he had mentioned before when we were at the match last weekend against Manchester United, he mentioned that he liked Saka. And I'm figuring he's going to say Saka, who I've also mentioned that my, my dad likes. That's who he's a fan of on the team or Martinelli, who I like. He says his favorite player is the one who makes a mess. And I'm thinking about it for a second. I'm like, oh, he means messy. Uh, (laughs) My six-year-old son thinks that (laughs) Lionel is a messy player. He is, he is filthy, in, depending on how you use that word. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, everyone was in that Miami game where they were drenched uh, from sweat. Oh, yeah, well, that, but, yeah. But. <laughs> By the way, while I'm thinking of Miami, we mentioned that they were an expansion team and that um, Beckham has, I don't know if he's the owner or an owner. He's, or what part, of the, he's part of the ownership group. But yeah, I noticed, I was looking at their crest in the Apple TV app, and they were only founded in 2022? Was I yes. reading the Roman numerals no, correctly? <laughs> they were 2020, their first season was COVID was the COVID year. Oh, okay. Cause for, I thought that I had seen like M M X X I I. I thought that I saw the Roman numerals for 2022 on there. Maybe no, it, it, I'm wrong. just looking it up. It's M M X X. So, to, so it's oh, 2020. Okay. Yeah, no, they're, 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 they're still relatively new, but you know, they, yeah. them and, um, Oh, who else came in that year? Uh, someone else came in their first season was, um, was was COVID? They played three games and then the season shut. The the whole team shut down. Right, uh, league shut down for a month while everybody figured out what they were doing. Right. Yeah. So okay. So so moving on to this list of questions that I've had for a while. So the the one at the top of the list is something that I wonder every time I'm watching a match. So we see the coaching staff on the bench. We see Arteta. We all know who Arteta is. He doesn't wear because he's the manager he doesn't wear the training gear like all, everyone else all the other staff does that, that has the team's name on it mm-hmm. um but everyone else on the coaching and support staff they all have their initials on their stuff which is cool and i've seen actually for the players themselves too like if they have a jacket that they have for when they're on the sidelines or whatever that has their initials and stuff which is cool you know it makes sense who is AFS? It seems like if I had to guess, he's the assistant coach or something, but what is his name and what is his role on the team? He's always talking Arteta. Yeah. So that's the, the AFS is uh, Albert Stuvenberg. Stuvenberg. I don't know. I think it's Dutch. I don't know how you pronounce it, but <laughs> Albert Stuvenberg. I, I assume the F is his, is his middle name. He is the assistant manager. So he's definitely Arteta's right hand. 
Okay. Uh, his number his number two guy. Um so definitely yeah, definitely the most prominent of the assistants there. Right. Okay. Cool. Um so the next thing that I was thinking about, and I don't remember if this dates back to the World Cup or if it's just because of the large number of Brazilian players um, that you know we we have on our on our team. Um, I was just wondering. So it seems like from when we're talking about World Cup, Brazil has the largest number of like good players, like internationally. It's just like they have they just produce tons and tons of really good players. Mm-hmm. Why is it that? the premier league is still the biggest league with arguably the best teams. Like why is it that no one really talks about, or at least I haven't heard people Mm. talking about watching Brazil who don't live in Brazil, like watching their national league. Yeah. uh, The big reason is money. And, and and that goes for Europe in general. So if you go back to, and guys will talk about this sort of the, the first real heyday of the Brazilian national team is, in the sixties building up to ultimately 1970 and their, their world cup team is this 1970 Brazil is generally considered one of, if not the greatest uh, world cup teams ever. Um, and basically there was this talk that like, because I mean, you, you don't have satellites yet. So there's not a lot, you know, you don't have transatlantic television, you know, there was something of a mystery to the South American players because they played in South America, the Europeans played in Europe and the world cup's the only time they ever really see each other. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this kind of like newness to them. Now, as that sort of changed it, European, the European leagues, especially the biggest ones are generally more stable. There's more money available, both um, the clubs have it, but also because of television, they can sell themselves better. They're also selling to much more affluent audiences, European, the Europeans have larger, stronger economies. Um, you go to Brazil. I mean, I, I, you know, you have the big some of the big clubs there. You get outside some of the big clubs, and some of the facilities aren't very good. The salaries aren't very good. Um, hmm. You know, in Europe, the the leagues are, especially the top leagues, are generally just overall stronger, and so there's a great draw for a lot of South American players and players from all over the world coming to coming to Europe. Um, and a lot of it's language based. A lot of Latin American players wind up in Spain, mm-hmm. and, uh, including the Brazilians, for whom. Yeah, the Portuguese. Like you don't see a lot of Brazil. I it, to, you don't see you don't see big name players going to the Portuguese league. It's a secondary. It's a second tier kind of uh, yeah. kind of a league. Um, but you'll see them going to Spain or to France. You'll see a lot of African players, uh, especially West Africa, going to France on the former French colonies. So they all speak French. Um, you know, you'll see you'll see that migration towards Europe because just just so much more money there. And even then, it's largely, especially now, now there's more money. It kind of trickles down to the lower levels, and it's it's largely also they're more stable leagues uh, and the more stable clubs. Um, you mentioned in terms of like you know good players per capita, right? Like it seems like they have a good players. France, uh, France is loaded with talented players. They've done a lot of good work in the last couple in the last decade or so to really you know, develop players and build up their national player pool. Um, but honestly, the French league outside of PSG is. Uh, yeah, it just, it, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's, it, if you look at the rosters of the big five, like look at the world cup rosters for the big five, you've got England, almost, they almost all play in the premier league. Spain, they almost all play in La Liga. Germany, they're all playing the Bundesliga. Italy, mostly in the Serie A. 
And look at France. I mean, they're everywhere. Right. Much like we talked about with the U.S., our players are all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting but because France culturally just doesn't buy into soccer the same way that England, Spain, Germany, and Italy do. Yeah. So there's all kinds of reasons why that's the case. They produce those players, but a lot of them, there's just so much more money available, and a lot of them look for a chance to get out. And there's a a reputation attached to Brazilians as well internationally. Um, You know, people like having Brazilians. There's a value to them. He's from Brazil. Okay, we'll pay a little extra for that. Um, You know, why why toll around in in the second or third division in Brazil when you can be for a first division club in Croatia? Right. <laughs> and and you're now the only Brazilian there, as opposed to in Brazil, where you're one of, a, you know, there's nothing special about being Brazilian. Right. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this so there's some so money's the big reason. Um, you know, okay. you go to, no, it you makes know, you sense. Go, yeah. yeah. And you go to Europe, go to Western Europe, and then, you know, a lot of times the facilities are better. I mean, you hear like, I've heard some crazy stories about like, like the, the KHL, the Russian Hockey League, and like, Guys getting paid in bags of cash, like that sort of like. There's a lot of like, so, there's a lot of kind of really sketchy stuff that, especially if you watch American sports, you would just look and think, "What do you? What? No, why would? Why would you be okay with that?" And you know, yeah, it doesn't take long to get away from you know the first world, so to speak, even at, even at that kind of sporting level. Sure. All right, uh, maybe we have time for one or two more, depending on how how long the, the responses take. So, <laughs> um, so we've talked before, and you, you can see it even in the preseason that that Arsenal style, and and I think we also have said that Manchester City shares the same style that mm-hmm. it is to dominate possession. We want the ball all the time on the other team's half, like just relentless attempts on goal, just like dominate possession the whole match. Um, it, it seems to me that that's what every team would probably like to do, except maybe they're not capable of executing on that. Are there other styles where that isn't the goal? Like what, what might other styles look like? So, so the most common, I mean, the short answer to your initial question is yes, that's what ideally everyone would want to do, but for so many of them are unable to do it. And of course your goal is not to be the most, the goal is not to be the most aesthetically pleasing team. The goal is to win. (laughs) And so how do you use the talent available to you to put you in the best position to win? We're rarely going to see play against teams that are going to try to dominate possession, partly because that's our game and we're really good at it. Um, And in a sense, I mean, it makes sense that we develop that way. Uh, First, Pep Guardiola, when he was at Barcelona, you know, now about 15 or so years ago. I mean, he really helped sort of that develop that system through Barcelona, both as a player and then especially as a manager in their youth system, then ultimately managing the, 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 the A team, the, the, the men's team there, Barcelona, um, developing that kind of possession style. And it has become so, it, it, it's in a lot of ways become sort of the dominant style in the, the game worldwide. Now, there are other modification versions of it. You know, a lot of it tends to where you apply pressure on the pitch. Um, Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp plays the, they call the Gagan press, which I'm, I'm going to butcher the tactical details of, but basically is, is, is a much more pressure ba- is much more about putting pressure and, and, and a much more attacking. In some ways, they're much more aggressive going forward than City or an Arsenal, which will occasionally be more deliberate. I mean, you know, Liverpool, when, when Klopp first showed up, the goal seemed to be to win ga- every game four to three. 
because as you push so much pressure forward, you also invite a lot of pressure going back the other way. Right. What we're going to tend to see a lot of, and I mean, even amongst big clubs, United did this, Spurs did this a bunch, is uh, a style based on counterattacking. So you're willing to cede possession to the other team. And what you do is you sit behind the ball. We talked about packing the box and, and sitting behind the ball. And so you're you're there and the idea is eventually they will make a mistake, either a bad pass or you will have a tackle and then you can counterattack. I mean, this was, this was Tottenham. This is what Tottenham did was they would sort of absorb pressure and then they would spring forward. And they had a good front line, Kane, Son, um, the third guy, occasionally with Charleston, although not actually didn't perform very well, but you know, they had forwards who could take those opportunities and convert them. Right. Uh, but they okay. weren't looking, they weren't looking to dominate possession or weren't looking like Arsenal is to sort of, or like city does to create opportunities. You know, city has the ball and it's not just about sitting on it and possession for its own sake, but using the ball and movement to find spaces to break through those defenders Nah, Spurs was get the ball, get the ball, go and and try to create an opportunity. And if you miss, drop back and prepare to play defense for the next time you get the ball. Right. Okay. Cool. So that that all makes sense. Good to know. Um, I think that'll do it for the questions backlog for now. So uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's coming up next week? We've got uh, our first real match of the season, right? Yeah. So Wednesday, Wednesday is the Emirates Cup, which is a nice little preseason friendly. We're playing Monaco. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's actually available anywhere on <laughs> TV. I've been preseason, so watch if you want. Uh, but the big one, of course, on Sunday is the Community Shield. It is a, we've talked about this a little bit, it's a super cup. Uh, Typically, traditionally played between the winner of the league, previous season, the winner of the league, and the winner of the FA Cup, since City won both of them. Uh, traditionally, the runner-up in the Premier League takes that extra spot, and that's us. So, mm-hmm. um, in some ways, it's a no-lose situation. You can try to take it seriously, and if you win, you get one over on City, which feels good, and it's definitely something we, we need to do. On the same token, if you lose, ah, it's just the community shield. <laughs> it's just a... It, it's just an exhibition. No one cares. Yeah. Um, which isn't entirely wrong. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things that really matters if you win it and if you lose, it doesn't, it doesn't at all. So, um, it'll be fun. It's a nice sort of curtain raiser. It's kind of a good opportunity to, it is an opportunity for us to test ourselves against a, a team that we think we think we can compete with. And so, you know, and as we said last year, you know, as we're getting into those games, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And yeah. if we can't beat City, we're not going to win the league. That's just that's just what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to that. That should be fun. Uh, but uh, good times ahead. So yeah, looking looking forward to the beginning of the season proper, and then it'll be our first uh, real match of the Premier League season. Will be the following uh, weekend, the right? Or following guess, Saturday, mid- I believe. Yeah. Okay. No, Saturday. Saturdays are okay. the following Saturday is uh, should be Forest at home, which is a nice, okay. uh, cool, nice start. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, as well as some other goodies, you can become a Gooner U superfan, where you can download a raw, unedited, unedited recording right away. 
as well as now ad-free episodes and occasional bonus content. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. And thanks again to our sponsor, our sponsor, Zencaster. You can find them with our special link in the description. You can follow our show on Twitter at Gooner U Show for updates and ask questions. And we also do have a YouTube channel that you can find if you want to see our lovely faces instead of just hearing our lovely voices. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith. And you will, again, be able to find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Happy new season. <laughs>